today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. You put people at the top of the agenda and you lead and live your life by what people say or don't say. You will become vulnerable to pleasing people rather than God. Eventually, you'll have to put people before God. Instead of thinking, God, what do you think? He's thinking, what do they think? Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. Jealousy and selfishness are a dangerous combination, and when they're allowed to take root in our spirit, we find ourselves living in fear. In today's message, Pastor Ed teaches us about the extreme jealousy that King Saul had for David and the insecurities that he felt. Even though he was sitting in a place of great power and authority, despite his achievement, Saul lived a fearful, insecure life. We'll learn that true security is found in God, and his approval is the only one that matters. Now, here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. W. Target writes a short story called The Window. It's about two men in a hospital room. They're seriously ill. One man, the older man, is close to the window. And for about an hour a day, they prop him up so that the fluid that's accumulating around his lungs could just sort of flow downwards and he could breathe better. And these two men, the other man who's flat on his back on the bed next to him by the door, develop a friendship. And they talk and converse with one another. And when they prop the man up by the window, he begins to tell his friend about the beautiful park that's outside. There's little kids playing and they're just enjoying themselves. He tells them about lovers that are walking together on the park lane. He tells them one day about a parade that he sees. And he is, his friend is delighting as he hears the stories, but he begins to think, why can't I be by the window? Why can't I see the sights that he's seen? And he begins to crave those sights. Well, one night, the older man begins to cough and choke on his fluid. He he tries to reach for the button to summon the nurse, but he just can't. His roommate is aware of it, but he doesn't do anything. The next morning, the nurse comes in, and the older gentleman by the window is, he's not alive, he's dead. And so his roommate, when they take the older gentleman out, said, could I have the window side? Could I be switched? And they said, sure. So they switch him to right beside the window. And when everyone leaves, he musters up all the strength that he has and he 
props himself up to look out the window. And all he sees is a brick wall. Jealousy is like a cancer that eats away at our soul. It not only damages the person that is the object of our jealousy, but it damages us as well. Solomon put it this way. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. That is what's happening in the life of Saul. He's jealous of David. And he goes on this downward spiral as he allows jealousy to captivate, to capture, to control his thought life. And David becomes the object of his jealousy and suffers as well. But Saul suffers more because every sinner is his own jailer. Sin will captivate and control and keep you and bring you down. And in the story of David and Saul and Saul and David, you see how Saul is destroyed inwardly by the jealousy that captivates him, but how David deals with the jealousy that is directed towards him. And this morning we're going to look at both Saul and David. We'll look at Saul first. We see him gripped by the power of jealousy. It all started at a very simple, joyous celebration. In verse 6, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul. With singing and dancing, with joyful songs and tambourines and lutes, as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands. Well, that was a great credit. Saul the king has slain his thousands. And then they think about that warrior, that man who rose from the ranks, that God raised from obscurity to notoriety. And they say, Saul has slain his thousands, and David is tens of thousands. Ah, it hits Saul like a brick. It enters into his ears, and it turns to poison in his heart. It says, It made Saul very angry. This refrain galled him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. This is a thinking process going on. This is his self-talk. But me with only thousands, what more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Hmm. The Israelites were simply excited about the victory that they had experienced as a nation. The Philistines had the upper hand, but now with the slain of Goliath, momentum was on the Israelites' side. And David, as one of the leading captains of Saul's army, experienced success after success, victory after victory. 
And the nation felt that the mighty hand of the Philistines had been taken off of them. And now they, the Israelites, had the upper hand. So they were just joyous. They were just excited. And so some of the young women began singing. And suddenly it turned something on in Saul that never turned off his jealousy. Why was Saul so open to jealousy? Why did it get such a grip on him and such a control over him? Why wasn't it just a passing moment, a fleeting feeling? Instead of a dominating, controlling, driving passion. It took over the driver's seat of his life. I believe because he opened the door to jealousy. He had done it when he grieved the Spirit of God. In 1 Samuel 16, 14, you see the opening of the door to jealousy. Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. What horrible, frightening words. The Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. It created a vacuum. And in that same chapter, it said, an evil spirit came and terrorized Saul. There was a vacuum. God wasn't there. So Satan walked in. When we walk out of agreement with God, when we're no longer walking in obedience to God, we swing wide the door open for the enemy to come in and get a foothold, to get control, to establish just a beachhead in our lives. Saul became target practice for the enemy. It's the presence of God, the spirit of God within us that gives us the power to resist evil. Paul the apostle says, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Saul's chronic disobedience opened the door for the enemy. It impacted every area of his life. Jealousy will impact every area of your life. You can't isolate it. You can't put it off of some room. No, no. It permeates. It saturates. It controls. Look at his relationships. His relationship to people. Saul had a character floor. That character flaw was he was a people pleaser. In chapter 15, verse 24, it says, Then Saul said to Samuel, I've sinned. Now that was superficial. That was merely an empty word. I've sinned. He just wanted to have damage control. He said, I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. Then here's the key. I was afraid of the people. And so I gave in to them. And then later on in chapter 15, verse 30, Saul again says, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Whenever we become people pleasers, we become God displeasers. That's what's happening now. If you put people at the top of the agenda and you lead and live your life by 
what people say or don't say. You will become vulnerable to pleasing people rather than God. Eventually, you'll have to put people before God. Instead of thinking, God, what do you think? He's thinking, what do they think? Oftentimes, when people are overly concerned about the opinions of people, we unlock that door to jealousy. And everything impacts us. Someone is promoted, and we take it personally. Someone achieves a success, and we're offended at it. What foolishness Saul participated in. There was nobody more loyal to Saul than David. David had Saul's back, even when Saul was trying to stab David in the back. David would not lift his hand against the Lord's anointing. There was no one more loyal than David, but yet Saul is blinded. Someone has said, love is blind, but jealousy sees too much. Saul reads into all sorts of situations, motives that aren't there. He reads into actions, motives that are not behind those actions. Suddenly, people promoted become his competitor. That's true at work. That's true in the schoolroom. That's true in the household. When jealousy governs and drives our lives, we feel threatened by those around us who succeed, those below us who succeed. Jealousy will not endure a competitor. It wants all rivals out of his way. Jealousy impacts in the way people see and their relationship to one another. It, it begins to drive them in all of the relationships they have. Here Saul is. He puts his children at risk. He gets so angry at Jonathan when Jonathan says, wait a minute, David's innocent. He's a good man. Don't do this to him. Saul gets the spear and ready to pin his own son to the wall. Saul is willing to use his daughters as pawns and gives Michael to David simply to set a snare up for David, trying to ensnare him. Instead of fighting the enemy, the Philistines, He's fighting David, his friend. Saul, the scripture says, was David's enemy all David's life. What's happening is he's not thinking clearly. His relationship to others, but his relationship to himself. When jealousy dominates and control... Think of the verse of scripture found in the gospel of Mark. Our Lord Jesus said, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Saul made self his God. Whenever we make self our God, we constantly view life through the lens of how is this going to impact me? How is this going to affect me? And so every event is measured with self at the center, thinking, how will this impact me? And that's how Saul lived. Saul never enjoyed the kingship that he had. 
He never enjoyed the position that God granted him. He was constantly looking over his shoulders at David, wondering about some conspiracy, suspicious of this one and that one. That's what jealousy will do. It will rob you of the present. It will rob you of your joy. It's like a cancer in someone's soul. It's like jaundice eating away, destroying your body. Eventually, this self-devotion began to seep out of his private life into his public life. See, you could keep certain sins private so long, but eventually, they're going to come out in the public. And now Saul's thoughts are internal. Saul's thoughts are emotional. First, he begins to think, I'm going to put David out into a dangerous situation. Uh, David, you want my daughter, Michael? Go get a hundred Philistines for me. Kill him. He wanted David to die in the battlefield. But then he becomes more overt in his desire to destroy David. He becomes public. Private sins, when we nurture them and fail to deal with them, will become public sins. The self-destructive nature of jealousy, you could see it destroying Saul. James warns us in the New Testament But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your hearts, don't brag about being wise. Don't say, oh, this is wisdom. That is the worst kind of lie. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual. Notice, motivated by the devil. William Penn said, the jealous are troublesome to others, a torment to themselves. Look at Saul. First of all, he becomes angry. He's angry at David. He's angry at Jonathan. He's angry at his soldiers. He's just angry. He's dominated by anger. He should have been angry at Satan, angry at the Philistines. He's angry at the wrong people. Then he's dominated by fear. When people are afraid of you, Oftentimes, it's because they're insecure, they're angry, there's something going on inside. But you see this fear. It says he becomes fearful of David. He, he's fearful for no reason at all. All because jealousy took root and control in his heart. And then he's suspicious. He loses perspective on the situation. He begins to think in an irrational way. Jealousy will ruin you on the inside. It will be, and it can be, if it's growing in your heart, your downfall. He loses any sense of security. See, our security is in God. And Saul begins to try and make himself secure. He tries here by fighting David, by opposing others. Meanwhile, God's spirit has left Saul. Our security is in a relationship with God and God's presence in our life. And Saul, though he is king, what does he have to fear from David? Though he is king, he's frightened of David, he's angry, he's insecure. Because jealousy is eating away at his heart. We've looked at how we can open the door to jealousy. God's presence is our protection. If we look to please people, 
We'll be governed by people and controlled by the opinion polls. And we'll be governing our lives by what people say or don't say. We really want what God thinks. Saul goes on this downward spiral. You, you see in chapter 18, chapter 19, chapter 20, all the way through the end of the book, he is acting more and more insane, more and more irrational, causing more and more grief for his family, for the whole nation. All of us have struggled at one time with jealousy, and that's a part of the human experience. But maybe you're not there now. Maybe you were David is. What if you are the victim of someone else's jealousy? I mean, maybe your lawn is greener than your neighbor's. Maybe God's blessed you in some very special ways. And maybe your marriage or your family or your finances. And and just you become the object of someone else's jealousy. The victim of jealousy. Again, the text in 1829, Saul was even more afraid of David, so Saul was David's enemy continually. David had been taken out of the sheepfold from obscurity and given a place of notoriety. Uh, He had been unknown, and now he was the most popular man in Israel because of the tremendous military exploits. How did he deal with Saul's jealousy? I read a humorous story the other day about Mrs. Iceberg. Mrs. Iceberg's heard that um, a former admirer had proposed to Mrs. Lovewell. And so they happened to run across each other in the uh, bargain basement rush. So she could not resist giving a dig She gushed, I hear you've just accepted Jack's proposal. I suppose he never told you that he had proposed to me first. Uh, The fiancé responded, no, but he did once tell me that there were a lot of things in his life of which he was ashamed. (laughs) But I didn't ask him what he was referring to. (laughs) Well... Sometimes we're just the object of someone's jealousy. How do you deal with it? What do you do? Well, David is a great example. He walks, first of all, in humility. He walks in humility. Listen to David's words to Saul. But David said to Saul, Who am I and what is my family or my father's clan in Israel that I should become the king's son-in-law? He recognized that Saul was this political leader and, and, and David... He didn't have an inflated view of himself. I mean, even though he was raised to such notoriety and they were singing about him, talking about him, and his popularity spread through the land, it didn't go to his head. He had his feet solidly planted on the ground. He recognized it was the grace of God that lifted him up. And so David knew how to walk humbly. When you walk humbly, you walk very low. And when you walk very low, many times those arrows just pass right over you. You let things that are being said that meant to stab you in the heart just go right by. 
The more we learn of David's story, the more we see how God can use an imperfect person to do incredible things. God can and wants to use you too. Did you know that God has a special and exciting plan for your life? He has designed you to fit that plan exactly and will give you the strength you need for every task. All you need to do is seek Him for guidance and lean on Him for your source of power. Pastor Ed will continue teaching about the life of David on the next edition of Building in Faith. But you can find more messages right now by visiting our radio website, buildinginfaithradio.com. Be sure to visit our church homepage as well by clicking on Back to the Homepage. There, you'll be greeted by a daily scripture and some exciting events coming up for us here at Faith Assembly. We know how important finding a church home is to the Christian walk. And if you've not yet found that for your own life, why not join us? We'd be honored to meet you and share a time of worship and Bible study with you. We gather together each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and again on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Location information and directions are on our website. That address again is buildinginfaithradio.com. As our time with you comes to a close, we'd like to say thank you for joining us today. We pray your day is blessed by God and that you continue to seek Him in your personal journey of faith. Pastor Ed will have more to share from the Word of God on the next edition of Building in Faith. Your word